Uh, it's a service of reflection. It's, it's got the same elements that a, a typical service would have. Uh, we're going to pray. We're going to proclaim the word of God. Uh, we're going to worship him in song and prayer. Uh, we'll receive Holy Communion. Uh, there's another element to this service, though. It's much more reflective than we normally uh, take time for on a Sunday morning. Same amount of time. We have about an hour. Uh, but really, this is a time uh, to uh, open your heart and your mind to the Lord. And so it, uh, we, we're going to start in a few minutes, but I want to give you the, the, the jump start to the start. So uh, you're going to read this. And then as you notice going through the order of worship, uh, there's things that will be read and that you'll respond to. So if it says leader, that means somebody's going to read something. And if it says people or congregation, then you will be responding. And so this is very much a, an interactive kind of service. Uh, you'll, there'll be songs uh, played and sung that we'll, we'll be singing to. Uh, again, scripture readings, a prayer of confession. You'll notice the first half of the service is really built on us acknowledging our absolute need for God's grace our absolute need for his absolute grace. And so the words of confession, uh, you might think, it's been such a busy day, I don't really have anything to confess. I, I just, you know, uh, the idea is we're acknowledging our constant ongoing dependence on God. And you hear words of absolution, that you're forgiven. Uh, this is not just formulaic or symbolic. It represents the fact that we realize, moment by moment, day by day, uh, we're dependent on God for his righteousness in us and through us. And that nothing and no one can separate us from his love and his forgiveness. So perhaps you come here tonight thinking, you know what, I am so far from God, I have so disappointed him. Uh, I, I really don't deserve to be here. Well, you're exactly in the right place. Or, you know, I, I, I really shouldn't be here because I'm so angry at God because he has deserted me. You're in exactly the right place by being here. So as we continue through, uh, you'll see various people uh, representing the ages and stages of our congregation uh, reading a brief message by me the Lord's Supper communion in this case we'll be serving communion so you'll be receiving uh, a tray passed with some uh, bits of gluten-free matzah so you'll take some of that and then uh, when you're ready you'll eat it but you'll pass that along then th there'll be a tray passed with little uh, glasses of juice you'll hold on to that and we'll drink that together symbolizing our unity in Christ um, and then following communion, uh, there'll be about a 10 to 12 minute period of time when you're free to simply s stay in your seat and, and be silent before God and pray. Or if you want to get up and walk around, go outside for a few minutes and pray. If you want to come up here and kneel uh, on these steps, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, if as you're praying, you think of something about uh, a need you have, you think, oh, I, I'd love to have prayer for that. You'll see people standing around. Uh, in, in twos, uh, some male and female, some guys, some women, and just go up to any of those prayer teams and say, I I'd like you to pray for me. And if you don't know how to even articulate it, just say, I have no idea even what to ask for. I just want you to pray for me. And they'll, they'll pray over you. If you know what you want prayer for, maybe it's for somebody else or a situation that you're concerned about. They'll pray briefly for you. They'll probably just put their hand on you and, and pray and finish in Jesus' name. This is one of the great ministries we give each other, uh, to pray for one another. Uh, you'll also notice that at the back of this order of worship, there's a number of names listed. Uh, we're calling that a congregational prayer guide. There's any number of things. Uh, the board of trustees, they definitely need prayer. Um, and it gets even worse, the staff in desperate need of prayer. But then you'll see uh, all kinds of groups. So as you look through that, it might be that as you're looking through that, certainly you don't have time to pray for everything listed here, but you might say, oh, that's, I want to pray for that group. I want to pray for the junior high kids, the high school kids, or whatever. Uh, so, uh, in a few pages before you get even there, and it says, La Jolla Community Church Congregational Prayer Night, it'll give you some instructions. Get comfortable in the presence of God. Ask the Lord to show you how to pray tonight. Uh, preparing your heart and mind for prayer. All of this is meant to be a resource for you, a guide. Part of the context for us simply gathering in the presence of God at the outset of this holy season that we call Lent so that we can realign with God. Lent isn't about giving up something to please God. No chocolate for the next 40 days. Now, that's probably not a bad idea for some of you. Um, but really, it's not about giving up something. It's about giving your heart and your mind to the Lord. 
in, an unf- in, in a very focused way. And perhaps tonight is the beginning of then something you will do uh, throughout the next 40 days, not including the Sunday, so it's more like six weeks, uh, seven weeks. As you, as you go through the next weeks until we get to Easter, and maybe you're going to say, I'm going to read the Psalms. I've never really read the Psalms. I'm going to read the Psalms one a day. Or I'm going to read Jesus Calling. Or I'm going to read whatever. You might change up what you normally do. So do something for the next several weeks um, and, and allow God to speak to you in a fresh way. So Lent is really a realignment with God. Ash Wednesday, uh, the notion is that we start by rec- recognizing that from, from the dust we came to the dust we shall return. And yet in the midst of that, something glorious happens. God fills us with his presence, fills us with the very breath of life. And then Jesus brings us a gift of salvation that we could be born again in him. And so it's not so much about being humiliated during Lent and especially on Ash Wednesday. It's about being humble to recognize God's greatness in our midst and what he wants to give to you so that you can be fully alive in him. This is the promise of Lent. This is the purpose of Ash Wednesday. And as we get to the end of the Lenten season, uh, Palm Sunday, and then Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter. So part of the church's year is built around this very important way of refocusing, reconnecting, realigning, remembering, and recommitting. And so, Lord Jesus, we've come here to do that. We've come in your name, simply to be in your presence with your people, to enjoy the presence of that you give us through your Holy Spirit with your people. Lord, we've structured this evening to give honor and glory to you through the words we say and pray and sing and proclaim. We, we come to remember you through Holy Communion. We come to remember that you've given us a capacity not only to pray, but to receive prayer. And finally, Lord, as we leave, you will uh, remind us that you are with us as we receive the imposition of ashes on our hand, on our forehead, as we walk out of here remembering that we, we belong to you. And nothing and no one can take us from you. And so, Lord, we commit this evening to you, even as we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is with you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Let us then approach God's throne with grace and confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Our Lord forgives our sins and heals our infirmities. He redeems us with his grace and clothes us with mercy and loving kindness. Most holy God.
claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment will against me is just. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Lord, Thank you for not banishing me from your presence and for not withholding me from your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation so that the delight of my heart will be in you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. Now we're going to take 60 seconds, and if anything came up for you in any of those readings, take time to talk to God about it. You have 60 seconds starting now.
reflect on life. God, thanks that you do not run out of forgiveness for us ever. We love you. Amen. Would you read this scripture with me? It's Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Does that grab you? Uh, does it shock you a little bit? Maybe if you've grown up in church or are used to hearing these words, it, it doesn't have quite the same uh, shocking effect. But if you were in the first century and somebody said, you know, there's a God who cares about you, you'd say, well, you don't understand. I'm a Greek philosopher. God is apathetic toward people. Say, fine, I'll try a Roman. Okay, so, and you walk up to a Roman and you said, you know, there's a God who cares about you. Do you understand that? Who knows you personally? And they would say, there is no God but Caesar. All right then, uh, let's see. And if you walked around and talked to any philosopher, any pundit, 
If you talked to a good Jewish rabbi and said, hey, rabbi, uh, you know, I think it's so fantastic that God relates to me. The rabbi, with all due respect, would say, son, you are so mistaken. God is so different than you. He does not relate to you. That's why we have the sacrifices to appease him, to please him, to make ourselves right before him. This is a shocking, revolutionary <coughs> statement. This is something that could keep you up all night saying, you're kidding me. This can't be true. Because if this was true, wouldn't churches be packed with people singing about it, shouting out their praise, calling out for God's mercy, receiving it, sharing it, stopping people on the street to say, by the way, do you know that there's a God who's been tempted just like you? The funny thing about this is that actually this is an understatement. It's true, but it's an understatement. For example, let me, let me give you the understatement. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. It's true, it just doesn't quite reveal the fuller picture. Uh, I can resist anything except temptation. How about you? And if somebody said, well, tell me about your temptation. Did you resist to the point of, you know, uh, blood pouring out of your pores? Oh, no. Oh, okay. Uh, did you resist to the point of, and then they, they come up with all these outrageous things? Well, well, no. But I was really, really tempted. We'd be honest, we'd be telling the truth. We are tempted, tempted in ways that we say, I, I, I couldn't do anything but go with it. So it's really neat to think that Jesus was tempted in every way such as we are. But think about it. Jesus was tempted more than we were tempted. Jesus was tempted so far beyond what we could even conceive of what we could stand by way of temptation. That though this is true about us, it's, it doesn't really convey the full truth about him. Have you ever been tempted to write off somebody you know and love? Well, if you know and love them, why would you be tempted to write them off? Well, because you know and love them. You know how frustrating they can be and how inconvenient it is sometimes knowing them. Can you imagine God knowing every human being on the planet? God being tempted to write, off, write us off, and yet it says here he doesn't. God has been tempted so far beyond. God allowed himself, the God who was supposed to be apathetic and so different, God has allowed himself to be put in a situation where he went through what it means to be a human being. But to such a degree that we can't even begin to conceive of it. And yet, to the degree that we can, it gives us massive amounts of comfort to know that the God who is different, who is so far beyond us, as the East is from the West, would allow himself to so identify with us that he would take upon himself not only the temptation of the world, but the very sins of the world, the things that we've yielded to as a result of our temptation. And that God, having gone through that, would now say, therefore, I accept you. Therefore, I invite you to come to me. Therefore, I know what you're going through, and I do forgive your sin. I will not hold it against you. Because I know for you, it was, it was the hardest thing you've ever faced. When you've given up on yourself, God hasn't even begun to be moved or budged toward forgiving, I mean, giving up on you because he's too busy forgiving you. I had a fantastic question. One of those stump the Steve questions as I walked in tonight. Uh, Isaiah Francisco asked me a profound question. He said, if you were a believer in Jesus for the first half of your life, I always get nervous when he starts asking me questions, by the way. Because I know I'm going to be kind of, okay, I better call Janet, you know, a little backup here. <laughs> he said, if you were a believer for the first half of your life, but for the second half of your life, you rejected God. When he came to the end of your life, what would God do? That's a great question, isn't it? So, Andy, what do you think, man? I'm just wondering. I couldn't answer it. I'm just wondering. <laughs> if you, you're in seminary. You should know these things. And all I could think about, because I looked at... Isaiah sitting next to Malachi, sitting next to his dad, Keppa. I said, hey, Isaiah, that's a great question. Uh, I have to give some more thought to that, but 
I'm just thinking, if you, being this boy you are, sometime in your life decided to reject the love of your family and to disregard your parents' counsel and walked away, and later in life, as, as, as a grown man, overwhelmed with the, the cares of this world and, and the frustrations and disappointments of your own behavior, you went back to your parents' home and you knocked on the door, and your dad opened the door, what do you think your dad would do? And he looked over at his dad. He goes, hey, he'd accept me, he'd welcome me. I said, yeah, but knowing your dad, he'd be crying. In tears, he would embrace you, and he'd say, I've been praying for you, I've been worried about you, I've been thinking of you, welcome home. Now that's not original to me, that's a story right out of the Bible, that's the prodigal son story. But you see, that's the God that the writer of Hebrews is telling us about. When we begin to give up on ourselves, he hasn't even thought about that. When we have finally given up on ourselves, when we've given up on each other, it's just too late, too far, you're too far gone, this is the last time, no. He's still leaning in saying, you know, I'm here for you. You can come to me. Jesus, the perfect God, brings God to us. Jesus, the perfect man, brings us to God. The only one who can condemn us and convict us took the sins of the world upon himself for us. And so therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. That he doesn't hold it against us when we feel like he has betrayed us. And he doesn't hold it against us knowing that we have betrayed him. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the one that we gather around tonight to worship, to realign with, to remember, to recommit to. This is the one that we're saying, you know, for the next weeks I'm gonna do my best to simplify my life so I can get a clear shot at my great high priest, my savior, my friend. Lord Jesus, help us to do that. And in your name we pray, amen. overwhelmed and I cannot hear your voice I'll hold on to what is true though I cannot see if the storms in life they come and the road ahead gets steep I will lift these hands in faith I will believe I remind myself all that you've done and the life I have because of your son Remind myself of all that you've 
A couple of weeks ago, I uh, traveled through several time zones, all in the western states, but I had to go through Dallas, and I went to Colorado, and came back again, and uh, on the way, uh, I looked at my watch, and it was, I was all disoriented, because the time from here to Dallas is different, the time from here to uh, Colorado is different, and uh, so I, you know, I corrected it, and I thought, oh, yeah, I correct it again. Communion is like that, and Ash Wednesday is like that. You know, it's easy for us to get out of sync with what time it is in our life. We hold on to things in the past as if they're right now. We anticipate things in the future and ignore what's happening right now. We're either present to the past or present to the future, but God wants us to be present in the present. He wants us to be present to Him, one moment at a time. And so on Ash Wednesday, we say, Lord, help me catch up. Help my soul catch up to my body. Help me to come up to present with you and stop hanging on to all the things that I'm holding against myself. Because the only things that we should hold against ourselves are Him and the people we love. Or I'm so tempted to get ahead of myself. Ash Wednesday and Holy Communion reminds me to be present to the Lord right now. I can let go of the past. I can avoid being anxious about the future. I can simply say, Lord, what is it you want to do in me right now? What do you want to remind me of about who I am apart from you and who I am in you? What do you want to remind me about the people that need me to love them with the same unconditional regard that you offer to me. What do you want me to understand about the fact that the hurts that I cause people I know aren't intentional and perhaps the hurts that they cause me likewise aren't intentional. And even when they are, the only way out of that crazy, confusing, horrible situation is you. So that's why we constantly come back to the present and reset our internal clock, our spiritual clock around these seasons like Lent and specifically Ash Wednesday, but also in terms of Holy Communion, when we recognize the Lord in these elements, a bread, a cup. Jesus took that bread and on the night he was betrayed, broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I am the substance of your life, he was telling them. Feed on me. Stop feeding on your fears. Stop feeding on your hate. Stop feeding on your jealousy. Stop feeding on your self-condemnation. Condemnation. Feed on me. Let me restore you. Let me nourish you. Let me make you healthy and alive. And likewise, on that night, he took the cup and having blessed it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. It's the blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world. Not my resentment or my bitterness, my recriminations, my self-doubt, my constant self-flagellation of what I could or should have done. But rather, I realized, you know what, Lord, you've borne the weight that I cannot bear, the crushing weight of sin that, that grinds me 
into the ground. Though I am from the dust and I will go to the dust, at the same time, I, have a, I am a new creation in Christ. I will have a resurrection body that reflects you. And so there's something glorious and beautiful at work here, and it's you in me, in us. This is not a human-centered message. This is a Christ-centered message for humans. And so as you receive the cup, understand that no matter where you are in your life right now, Christ is with you. And the question is, will you pay attention to him or not? Will you let him reset what time it is in your life according to his wisdom? And as you receive the cup, will you remember that it's his grace for you that is sufficient to forgive you, to restore you, to give you a sense of hope when otherwise there is no reason to have hope. And so, Lord Jesus, we commit these elements to you, this bread, this cup, even as we commit ourselves to you. We receive them in your name as a gift from you, as an invitation to be restored and renewed, forgiven, redeemed, empowered and equipped to actually live as people being saved by you, the Savior of the world. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as those come, uh, folks come forward to, res- to uh, distribute the elements, as you receive the bread, understand that it's Christ's body given for you. If you're not a believer, pass the plate along because otherwise you're, you're calling accountability on yourself that you haven't recognized uh, in terms of Christ being your Lord and Savior. But if you're a believer, receive these things, no matter how broken you might feel, no matter how out of it you might feel. But the point is this. Receive this as a gift from him. And, and then eat the bread whenever you're ready. And then in a moment we'll pass out the, uh, the cup and then we'll hold that and drink that together.
did not get a little cup with juice in it, we're going to give you a little bit of the uh, matzah dipped in this juice. So if you don't, didn't get any juice yet, raise your hand. We'll give you some of this. Give you one of these. We've got some people in the back there. So the bread, the strength of God, the blood, the righteousness of God. Our bodies are weak, they fail us. Our best intentions, our best intentions, think about that. Our very, very best intentions fail us. But Christ never fails us. And so the bread, his strength in us, the blood, his righteousness, his righteous covering over us. We're clothed in his righteousness. When we appear before him say, someday, we won't say, oh, here I am, I'm, I, I finally got it all together. We'll appear to him clothed in his righteousness. Truly us, but clothed in his righteousness. That's what gives us that, that assurance of our salvation. That's what allows us to learn to receive forgiveness and to extend forgiveness. This is the power of the cross. This is the power of the resurrection. This is the power that we receive as the mercy and the grace of God in all humility. And so we drink this cup, eat that bread in his name together. And if you would, I'll pass the cup to the inside aisle and the ushers will pick it up. Uh, we're going to move into a time of prayer. And uh, as I said, you have a guide within that order of worship that will give you some structure, some content for the prayer. <clears throat> the prayer teams will be standing along the side uh, from the front to the back, and if you uh, would like to have somebody offer a brief prayer for you, simply go up to them and uh, let them know that you'd like them to pray for you. Or sit quietly uh, or kneel where you are. We left lots of space if you wanted to turn around and kneel before your chair, if you want to come up uh, and, and kneel here, however you want to be Physically, we simply want you to be focused on the Lord, praying for others, uh, pray, being prayed for. And then at the end of that time, uh, that's going to be about the next 12 minutes, and then uh, Andy will come up and offer us a benediction. And as we leave, uh, we'll, if you want to give an offering, we give an offering uh, on these holy days, these high holy days, uh, specifically for the poor through our benevolence fund. Uh, if you want to give an offering as you go out, there'll be some baskets, and you can simply give an offering that will go to the benevolence fund, and they distribute funds to people who are going through difficult circumstances. At the same time as you leave, if you'd like to receive the imposition of ashes, a, a tangible reminder that you belong to Christ, either hold out your hand and receive the cross on your hand, or, or present your, your forehead and, and receive a cross. And it, it's simply uh, last year's palm fronds from Palm Sunday, ground up very fine, mixed with some olive oil, to remind you to whom you belong. So uh, either on your forehead or on your hand. But let's move into a time of prayer now. And whatever you need to do to get comfortable, feel free to do that. And then approach anybody you'd like uh, for prayer along the way. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves. We're a people of prayer. This is a house of prayer. Teach us to pray. And in your name we do pray. Amen.
chains are gone. Stand up and sing this with me. go in the name of the God who calls us his own, the God who loves us deeply, the God who extends mercy and grace to us despite our frailty, despite our sin, and despite our mortality. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Please exit in reflective quietness.